that's why I call my thing the marathon because yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie and and, and portray um, this ultimate poise like I've been had it figured out. No, I just didn't quit. That's the only distinguishing quality from me and probably whoever else going through this or mm -hmm. went through this or is gonna go through this is that I ain't quit. I went through every emotion. I went through mm. every emotion with trying to pursue what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that what what gonna separate whoever's gonna try to go for something is that you ain't gonna quit. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why it's real. 290 a study on why it's called Democide. Welcome, everybody, to episode 264 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host in the place to be. No, I'm not a rolling 60, but sitting right in front of me. Dang, that was brutal, dude. Yeah, it was. Uh, but sitting right in front of me is the brown recluse, Mr. Artro. Art, say hello to the millions. What's up, people? What's up, children? Uh, guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. What you call You call me the brown recluse again? Did I? I don't know, dude. I'm trying to. Poop? I'm trying to relabel myself. I'm trying to rebrand my. Oh, image okay. Right now. You're like Madonna. Like you're. I don't know what I'm. I don't know yet. I don't know what I'm gonna go with yet. I'll, you know, comment down below, whatever <laughs> the fuck. If you have any cool, I was gonna. I was gonna try to relabel myself the king of content, just because it seems so like, like, kind of like the king of content or yeah. Compton. No, no, all both oh. would be great. <laughs> of content, like, like. Just because it sounds so cringy, like it's what's that dude who does um, Family Feud, the bald black guy? Oh, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. It sounds like something Steve Harvey would call himself, like or was like Cedric the Entertainer or, or some DL Hughley, like some shit like that. Like I want to be that dude, like when I grew up. Like I want to wear like big baggy suits and like <laughs> call himself and like smoke a cigar and be like, I'm the king of content, <laughs> and like. Something like that's coming my way. But anyways, guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got coffee beans. They got hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got everything under the sun, man. Um, use promo code AMERICA to receive 15% off your total purchase price. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. The hibiscus tea this, this summer, hot days and hibiscus tea, it goes like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, but if you're not into that, guys... Who doesn't start their day off with with a with some cold brew, dude? Like that's the way to do it. Uh, wing yourself off the energy drinks and get yourself the nitro cold brew. Use promo code America at checkout to receive fifteen percent off. Uh, tell your mommy you boo boo too, and that's it. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys. I'm talking about the great, the powerful, 
Nicole Smith-Bosch is Sucre Apparel. Guys, I need all of you guys to head on over to SucreApparel.com. Father's Day is coming, guys. So uh, what dad doesn't like a fresh new t-shirt, some shorts, uh, a coffee mug, a tote, a man bag, if you will, or some stickers designed by beautiful, lovely women from South Africa. Uh, so head on over there. Buy your dad. Buy your grandfather. Buy your baby daddy. Buy your side piece. Buy your friend. Buy your nice, sexy uh, king of content, brown recluse friend over here. Buy him yeah. something from SucreApparel.com for Father's Day, even though he's not a father or whatever, right? Buy him something. Put it in your cart. And when you do, guys, I need you to go to uh, put in Art and Jacob for the promo code. And uh, Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase price. But, guys, I'm not done giving shout outs and no this is an official paid sponsorship or whatever right but uh a few weeks back when i was on my secret government mission across the the pacific ocean or whatever i kept getting these emails and i get you know as you know the the main uh person of content for this podcast like i always get you know these like scams in the email like if you give fifty dollars to you know the prince of Egypt, he will you know give it back to you a yeah, hundred yeah. times fold or whatever, right? And it's always like, oh, okay, pass or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, it's just like we get like, uh, you know, uh, like oh, um, uh, you know, tropical thongs would like to sponsor the Art and Jacob Do America podcast, and it's like, yo, yo, me and Art, we're not gonna sit up here, you know, and fucking, fucking day glow fucking thongs or whatever, you know, to to sponsor or whatever. But um, no, I got this email uh, from an individual uh, from a product called Magic Mind. And I, I had skeptical HIPAA wise, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a chicken and broccoli type of guy. I don't necessarily take any supplements or whatever. I just drink my coffee black, drink my water, and then that's it or whatever. I might have some Taco Bell on the weekend or whatever, right? Uh, but they were very persistent on like, hey, like just check out our product if you like it. Uh, we would very much like if you shout it out on your show and whatnot. And so, hey, they sent me a sample pack of, um, you know, their product, uh, Magic Mind, which I got right here. Uh, and they asked, like, hey, just take it for uh, three days. Uh, that's all we ask. And just kind of give your organic review of the product. And so I did. You know, this whole week, you know, um, starting Wednesday all the way up until today, uh, I did the three-day um, three day challenge. The three-day uh, Magic <laughs> Mind challenge or whatever, right? Like, challenge your mind with Magic Mind. Ooh, that should be the slogan Dang, right dude. there, right, That's baby? why they call it the king of content. There, you, Damn, there you go. <laughs> Next episode, 265. It's the king of content. Exit Brown Recluse or whatever, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, so I took it, and I kind of had skeptical HIPAA-wise, right? Like, I've, I've had a GNC card since I was in high school. I've right. tried all the supplements or whatever, right? And, you know, on their bottles, it says right here that, you know, it's – it's for stress, uh, relaxation, and focus. And I was like, oh, okay, I've heard this a million times from yeah. a million different fucking supplements. And all it does is it gets me all cracked out or whatever, right? Uh, but I looked into the product, and I guess, you know, their uh, CEO or uh, the guy that started the, um, the whole Shadabaz, uh, he was, you know, having heart palpitations on a beach and whatnot. So he checked into the emergency room, and his resting heart rate was something outrageous, like 180 beats per minute or whatever. And he was pretty much on his way to having a heart attack. But uh, he yeah. was overworking himself, overstressing himself. And basically the doctors were saying like, hey, you need to get off caffeine. And uh, he was a business-minded man. And he was just like us. Like when we first started this show, we were pounding bang energy drinks. We were drinking whole pots of coffee and whatever just to just to get through the day and whatnot, right? And Which is super unhealthy. I don't, I don't advise anybody doing that or whatever. Scale it back a little bit. But with that... 
you know, your body craves the caffeine. Your body craves like that get up feeling that you get from, you know, a nice cup or pot of coffee or whatever, right? So he, he started uh, looking into, um, you know, herbal supplements and whatnot, uh, nootropics and um, yeah, what else we got here? Nootropics, aptogens, and and whatnot, just natural remedies uh, to you know get you get you going and whatever, stay focused or whatever. And you develop this Magic Mind product. Uh, it's supposed to help reduce stress, uh, increase focus, and it also got a little bit of stimulants in there as well because it does have uh, some matcha in it, which gives you a little kick of caffeine. And they recommend that you know they go to their website and they'll give us a promo code. It's AJ20. You'll get twenty percent off of you know your first purchase or any purchase or whatever, but it's all natural guys. It's none of this like chemical fucking alpha brain bullshit or whatever, but it's got ashwanda root. It's got, mm, like I said, I take ashwanda. Yeah. It's got, um, sometimes natural occurring, uh, caffeine. Um, like, like I said, with the matcha, the green tea, uh, it was supposed to naturally reduce your cortisol levels. Right. Um, like when you have a healthy diet, so you get a shot of this in the morning and I did it for three days and it actually works. I work a very stressful fucking office job in, for the federal government. And I got to tell you, like for the, like most of the day, like I was on and on point or whatever. I didn't even finish like my first cup of coffee or whatever, right? So I can tell you for a bona fide fact that Magic Mind does work. And if you're looking into that, if you suffer from anxiety or just, just the, just the, you know, the two o'clock, you know, slouch or whatever, right? Uh, just go on over to magicmind.com, enter our promo code AJ20, and they'll give you 20% off. So um, not a paid sponsorship, but just a, a real organic review uh, for their product. So shout out to them. Right on, man. So, But we're not here to talk about stress, anxiety, and fucking uh, green tea and matcha or whatever. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Dude, we're here to talk about Dr. Sanjay Gupta, dude. <laughs> What the fuck's up with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, dude? Yeah. Dude, sounds like a fucking <laughs> Mario Brothers character. I'm going to step on that son of a bitch. <laughs> Dr. Dodge fucking Gupta, dude. Good over here, you Goomba. Anyways, guys, we're here to talk about Nipsey Hussle. Yes. Uh, guys, legendary rapper, uh, a rapper that's been influential to... You know, it's it's hard to believe that he's been gone for as long as he's been gone, like over three years now. And, and it's hard to also believe he had that many mixtapes in the like amount of mix. So like, so I'm sure we'll get into it, but like, yeah. you know, just like the influence of Nipsey Hussle on hip hop and culture, fashion, mm -hmm. like besides like sports, sports, like you know, like just everything about Nipsey Hussle was like just fucking legit. Like, and I hate to just phrase it as legit, like a vague statement like that, but he was like a legit ass dude. Or authentic. Yeah, authentic dude. Um, If you're white, my white dude over here, Jacob, <laughs> authentic. Half white, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Oakley uh, doakley. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, I just, how did, how did have, I actually, I didn't even ask you that. Were you into him? Did you ever get into him? How did you get into him? Yeah, so it's always good to start these episodes with a question like that. Um, for me personally, um, as longtime listeners know, like I grew up obsessed with West Coast hip hop, right? Like, it, it, like that was my beginning and end and whatnot, and up all the way up and through high school, through college and whatnot. Uh, but when I started working like my big boy job, like I just kind of 
started to fade away from hip hop more and more and more and more and more or whatever, right? So I wasn't able to keep up with it as much as I wanted to. Uh, but there was always inklings of like who was hot or whatever, right? So when Kendrick Lamar first came out or whatever, right? I remember telling you about him and be like, yo, like this is like the next guy. I remember when the game first came out, I was just like telling all my friends like this is the next guy or whatever, right? Uh, but when Nipsey also like first started to come out, like I was having friends up under me saying like, yo, you need to take off like that Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg like old man fucking shit. Like you need to put on some nip. And I was kind of like resistant to it. Like this was like my like Clint Eastwood, like get off my lawn period where it's just like, oh man, I got time for that new shit. So regrettably, I knew about him when he came out, but I never gave him a fair shot. And I got to say, it wasn't until he actually passed away, which fast forward, spoiler alert, whatever, March 31st of 2019. It wasn't until I started actually like giving him a shot, get listening to his music. Uh, checking out like his mixtapes or whatever art mentioned, you know, it's it, only Tupac probably put out more content in such a short amount of time. Uh, but he had like 14 mixtapes. And when we're talking about mixtapes, we're not talking about six or seven songs and 17 other artists are on it. No, we're talking about like 25 songs. Most of which like he's either freestyling or fucking like just it, again, it's like Tupac where he's like, he's throwing, he, he is the king of content or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, getting into like what he was about, uh, feeling what he was into or whatever, right? And it wasn't actually until we actually did a deep dive into this topic this week that I actually was like, oh, wow, like this guy was like a le- not only just a legit artist, but like a legit human being, which actually added on to my enjoyment of his music as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, um, I would say like the early 2010s or whatever, like that's when he started putting out like mixtapes and things like that. Yeah. I was kind of getting back into like hip hop in general, like not so much like Nipsey in general, but mm. it was like um, I was really into like Earl Sweatshirt. Like I, I think just because they're also LA guys, but th- I don't really consider them like West Coast rappers, mm-hmm. like the whole like Wolfgang, like Odd Feature crew, whatever. Like, although they're all like, you know, LA based rappers, they don't really bring that like that Dr. Dre, G Funk sound. Like, it yeah. doesn't sound like that. They're, they're more like, you know, they sound closer to like an MF Doom or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was getting into that, that whole thing. And like, the, I was kind of like a, an odd man out when I was like, they're talking about mixtapes. Everybody has mixtapes. Like even Doc, even uh, fucking Drake was putting out mixtapes and shit like that. And I was like, "What? The something something mixtape? The something <laughs> something mixtape?" And then, um, what is the bullets ain't got no names? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bullets ain't got no names had come out, and that was like the mixtape that was like blowing up. And I was like, "Dude, like this dude is like." what's up like this is really really good like this guy has a future um which somehow through him i got into like i say a richard and like i say a richard you know like kendrick kendrick kind of just you know like just was there all of a sudden i feel like you yeah. know it was just like bam like, like a meteor yeah he was just like you know he came and like wiped out people like a meteor like you know like <laughs> we were the dinosaurs he killed us yeah um but like you know, like young versions of those guys, like I was getting into it, but I would say Kendrick kind of made me a little bit like, like I had blinders on like those horse blinders. 
where I was like, dang, Kendrick is like the fucking shit. And I kind of stopped like, you know, like listening to other guys. Like I didn't really even give J. Cole a shot around that time, even mm-hmm. though I knew everybody was like, dude, you got to check out J. Cole. Like J. Cole's a fucking shit. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, dude. Kendrick is like, dude, have you heard Good Kid Mad City? Like I still to this day, I think Good Kid Mad City is like absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, So like I was just like, I don't know, dude. Good Kid Mad City. Like, and then um, Kawhi Leonard was on the Spurs during this time period. Kawhi Leonard and Nipsey Hussle were really good friends, which, you know, we'll get into. He was friends with a lot of NBA players. Mm-hmm. But he was really good friends, both guys from, from like, you know. South Central. S- South Central, Slauson area. Like, th- they were those guys, right? And the funny thing about it, I was going to mention, like, the whole fashion thing. Those are the only two dudes I knew, like, they were in popular, like, sports that both had cornrows. Yeah. Like, at this time, like, Dude, if you had cornrows, you're talking about like, like fucking Allen Iverson. Like yeah. that was like fucking like, bow wow. That was like fucking 17 years ago. Like cornrows were cool. Like yeah. nobody had cornrows at this time period, except for like fucking Kawhi Leonard and Nipsey Hussle. And then Kawhi Leonard put out uh, a commercial. He he was gonna put out his like fucking Nike his Nike collab. He had like some shoes that were like Nike Gatorade shoes, right? And like he put Nipsey Hussle in the commercial, and like he used his song "Rap N Words" in it. And that was going to be on the Victory Lap album. And yeah. I was like, I remember hearing that and I was like, this is fucking hard. Like the commercial to that, like the hearing that song in that commercial. And then like a month later, the album came out. I was like, fuck, like Victory Lap. Like this is like the fucking shit. Like I was super stoked. I was like, this guy is like holding it down. Like I was very much like, you know, like drinking the Kool-Aid at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty sad because Victory Lap, was technically his like first and like almost last album, yeah. like major album. And like, like even to this day, like I keep thinking like, Oh dude, like I think of like rappers that I'm anticipating something exciting to come from. And I always think like Nipsey Hussle and I was like, Oh wait, he's no longer with us. Like yeah. he has passed, even though he just put out victory lap. And it's like, damn dude, like we'll never get that follow-up to that, like a proper follow-up to Victory Lap. And we'll talk about the build-up to it, the marathon run to yeah. that or whatever, whatever, right? And it's like, it's hard to think, like that's his one and only album, but there was so much build-up, so much backstory, so much um, so much story that are, and, and things to look up to, right, that builds up to that album. And it's almost poetic. That like yeah that would be his last album that would be his magnus opus and whatnot mm-hmm. because and it's it's only fitting that it would be like it, it the story has to end there or whatever right in a tragic way but I don't know if you want to get into it but uh, who is Nipsey Hustle art for those who don't let me, know let me pull up some notes here so I mean sorry this episode isn't about snakes so yeah no I mean Nipsey Hustle man West Coast rapper born in in the Slauson area if, if Crenshaw if Crenshaw area like. It's important to know the area, right? Like, you know, w- we've been to L.A. hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, but for someone listening to this in South Africa, I always think, like, Nicole Smith-Bosch is going to listen to this and be like, I don't care. Like, what's the difference between Slauson and, like, mi- middle Kentucky or some shit like yeah. that? It's, like, completely two different worlds. Correct. Like, there is a vibe, there is a culture to, like, to L.A., like, especially, like, that area, like, like, there's a there's a place in that area called there's a street called Figueroa or in that mm-hmm. area and they there's a place called Figueroa Cheesesteaks, which oh, is <laughs> like best. it's like one of my favorite places to go to. If you guys are ever like in the downtown LA area, check out Figueroa Cheesesteaks. 
But there, when you're in that area, like all you hear is like, like hip hop music. You see, like everyone. I mean, it's majority. I would say like seventy percent black. Yeah, African American, and like Hispanic, and like. But it, it it's like that to me is like. LA, LA proper. Like this is LA. Like this is this is and it leaks into like other parts like Long Beach. Like I ain't trying to say Long Beach ain't LA. I ain't trying to say Compton in LA. Carson. I'm not trying to say Carson in LA. <laughs> but like like it all leaks into it, but it all really like stems from like that little area there where it's like, you know, within blocks of, of each other. Like you have rappers, you have fucking Dr. Dre coming out of these areas. You have like Ice Cube. Ice Cube Corrupt, Daz or Daz is from Long Beach, he's uh his cousin. But all of your favorite rappers that were on the chronic or whatever, they come from this area. Uh also too Danny Elfman who did every fucking yeah. uh Tim Burton movie, he does a Simpsons. Well even those song. even those dudes that I was mentioning earlier, like um Tyler the Creator and Earl Sweatshirt, like these guys just came out of there. Like it's an artistic hub. It it, it totally is, and not just that, but like to tie it into the, the sports element, like you know, Demar Derozan, Demar Derozan, Kawhi Leonard, um, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Like these guys are just like not nobodies. These are like all stars. Like mm-hmm. Venus coming, and Serena Williams. Yeah, like coming <laughs> out of this little area in in L.A. Like. Mm-hmm. Like and they're just embedded in in this culture, good and bad elements mm-hmm. of it. Like we'll get into Nipsey Hussle, but like you mentioned, Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan grew up being in a gang. Like gang, he was not supposed to make it out of there. He's he's a six foot six black man in in a gang. Like you're yeah. just not gonna make it out of this environment. Um, and I think Nipsey Hussle kind of had that in his lyrics, in his voice, in his in his grit, in his grind. Like he he knew that element of it of like, I'm going to have to like work so hard to get out of here that like I have to put everything in like all these rhymes and like put it, put it, put it in my music. Cause like him, there were hundreds of other thousands of other dudes in that area that all wanted to become rappers or basketball players. And like, it was like, they all were challenging each other in this tiny little area. So for that one guy to come out of that area and be like, Super good. I mean, other dudes came out of the area. Like, shout out to like YG and stuff like that. Yeah, for also coming out of that area. But is that my phone? What is that? I hear a phone. What I think is it's that? yours. Is it? No, it's not my phone. Oh, that's probably my girl's name. Okay, but sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but you also have to remember too that uh, this is the inner city, South Central, the notorious South Central LA. A lot of violence or whatever. A lot of history there where. Uh, LA, I mean, now is seen like kind of like as a very liberal city or whatever, but back in the day, back in the day, and I'm sure this will, you know, become uh, fodder for future episodes or whatever, but very much a racist uh, place where, uh, you know, African Americans, uh, Asians, and, uh, you know, uh, Hispanics, they were all redlined into certain parts of town. And it was always parts of town that white people forgot about kind of thing. People forget that, like, Compton. Like, that was actually a really nice neighborhood and whatnot. I mean, it still looks really nice, but, you know, it gets this vibe now. It was, like, gang violence, crack cocaine, and all that shit or whatever because that's what that's how, like, the city leaders, the racist city leaders at that time developed it. And to kind of put you in what these people have been going through, you know, whether you're talking about East L.A. or fucking South Central, the corner of Crenshaw and Slauson, which is in Boys in the Hood, like yeah. every fucking West Coast. 2-1 in Lewis. Yeah, like all <laughs> those like fucking famous street corners you hear and all your favorite uh, gangster rap uh, songs or whatever, right? Uh, 
it's these people that are in the in the trap right like they're trapped in this this environment where they're 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 set up for failure it's not they're not set up for success and generational wealth oftentimes uh you see it's like food deserts or whatever right like where the only food that they have is whatever they sell at the liquor store uh the only um education that they have is like leftover books uh that they get down because their school isn't funded because the property taxes there uh, it's not trickling down to them because nobody owns anything. It's it's all real estate developers or public housing or whatnot. Oh, so, absolutely. Like, so these are people that are set for failure, but the resiliency of them knowing all of this, that, hey, like we got to be that much better than the kids that are growing up over there in Beverly Hills and whatnot. Like we got to make it out of this shit. And most kids, you know, like you said, like you get like the Venus and Serena Williams story where it's just like the dad keeps them laser focused in sports or, you know, they, you know, they become, you know, Dr. Dre or whatever and become billionaires that, you know, off of, you know, headphones and, you know, classic songs and whatnot. Uh, but most kids don't fall into that. Most kids have to rely on street gangs because, you know, they come from single parent homes and they're not getting any support from anywhere else. So other than themselves. So their only means of survival is the street. Yeah. I mean, I think you always, you always kind of covet what you see. Like, what you see is, like, well, who looks like me? Like, fucking uh, DeMar DeRozan, like, you know, like, you know, Nipsey Hussle. Like, those dudes kind of look the same. I'm sure some some kid, some, you know, if you're a black kid in Compton right now, you're probably looking up to those guys more than you are a Bill Gates. You know, like, Bill Gates, I don't know where the fuck you're from. You don't look like me. You don't (laughs) sound like me. You don't walk like me. You don't talk like me. There's nothing about you that I emulate and whether that's good or bad it's just fact like and that's true i mean you have so many like you know the the cards i agree with you like the cards are just stacked against you like you just there's no like role models like you know people made a big deal when like the black panther movie came out because that shit mattered that was like the first time we've seen like a black movie where like the, the white actors were the side characters, you know, like it's always been reversed and, and like they the died first. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, it's always been the, the, you know, like there's Not always the like, around. here are all these power Rangers and you're, you have a black power ranger sidekick, you know, like it's like, this is the first time that it was like, man, they are the star. They are like, you know, like, and you don't see that in movies and you don't see that in like music, you know, besides hip hop music where like hip hop music is dominated by African Americans. And mm-hmm. like, so, to see someone come out of that is like really special, I think for 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 people. I, you know, we talk about how many times we we think corn is so cool because corn came out of like our high schools and like mm-hmm. East Bakersfield, and like it means something to us that like they were able to like do something huge coming out of where where you know in the same streets that we walked. Correct. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. But anyways, like who is he? You know. I don't know if you do. You have his like date of birth. <laughs> uh, uh, Nipsey also, yeah, he, he was born again. He's our age range. Yeah, uh, he was born August fifteenth, nineteen eighty five, uh, in Crenshaw, California. Which I mean, you step two feet to the to to the side, you're in a different city, quote unquote, in L A. It's all L A. Yeah, right? it's, it's all South LA. it's South Central L A. But to be specific to the neighborhood, to show him respect, uh, uh, Crenshaw, L A. To an African American mother. And a dad, and I know I'm gonna fuck up the name of this country, uh, Eritrea, which is in like Eastern Africa. It's like almost 
uh, near like Saudi Arabia. Only like I believe it's like the the Red Sea or the Arabian Sea, like separates Africa from the Middle East right there. But um, yeah, I mean, even the look for Nipsey Hussle, he kind of like has that like uh, Middle Eastern kind of look, and then oh, his yeah. father he, does as well. Even his name, like you know, his shocker, his name's not really Nipsey Hussle. No, uh, <laughs> but like I'm gonna butcher his name because it's Armenis Armis. Jo- oh, Armis Joseph Ash Ashdom Ashkadom. Yeah. So like yeah so. You know, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. It's, it's, I'm sorry, but it ain't no Nipsey Hustle kind of thing. <laughs> and like, I could see why he would change his name. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, even, I, I, I hate to even like keep going back to this, but like, even coming up with like a name like that, like growing up with a name like that, obviously it's not a, a like a common like white dude name like Todd or some <laughs> shit like that. Like, I guarantee you he got shit for having that name. Oh, like, yeah. And, like, it's always, like, those people like that that, like, grew up with a bunch of shit in their life. That chip like, on their shoulder. Yeah, where it's like, man, like, you're going to fucking, like, remember my name. Like, you're going to want my my autograph one day kind of shit, you know? Like, yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Like, but um, I'm sure, like, every single one of these elements adds to the who is Nipsey Hussle and who was he becoming. Because mm-hmm. never during all this time period does he ever, like, look back at, at where he's coming from and where he's at in like a way of hatred. Like it's always like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to like make, make these people better. better. So that's kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfortunately he is a high school dropout, um, uh, just because, I mean, it's the same, you know, South central story that, you know, this system isn't doing anything for me in the best case scenario is, you know, I'll graduate high school and do what, you know, work, you know, for the white man basically or whatever. Uh, so he does see that, you know, that, uh, you know, the gang life, you know, I was listening to the ESPN's uh, 30 for 30. They actually do a really good podcast or whatever, like capturing, you know, firsthand like his brother and, uh, you know, some friends during this time period uh, that, you know, like, hey, what's going on in the street is, you know, more prevalent and more lucrative than uh, what, you know, the system says I should be doing or whatever. Right. So, yeah, he does get involved in the rolling 60s street gang or whatever. Right. And, you know, somebody that's like in South Africa or like a Copper Kelly, like in Ireland or whatever, that might just know like Crips and Bloods. Yeah, there are the Crips and Bloods, but then there's like certain subsets of those gangs as well. Like Snoop Dogg, I believe, is a Rolling Twenties Crip. Uh, there's, I mean, here in Bakersfield, we have like six or seven different iterations of the Crip. Like there's Country Boy, Stroller Boy Crips, like all these different iterations or whatever, right? And people always make the mistake of thinking like, oh, Crip versus blood. Like that's the fucking Hatfield versus McCoy. And it's just like, not necessarily like there's Crip versus Crip and whatever. Right. So rolling sixties, that's the exact set, the exact neighborhood that Nipsey uh, gets involved in. And um, yeah, he does, you know, some street shit. Uh, one of the most chilling stories uh, that I hear, heard him tell was uh, kind of like a turning point in his life as well. And I believe he's like 14 years old. Like when mm-hmm. he joins like the rolling sixties is that, He's in the car, and he feels like he's hunting, right? Like, like you know, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd kind of thing. And, you know, you pass by all these different people. You, you might see, like, a white dude that looks like Ned Flanders. You might pass by, like, a Mexican dude. Uh, he says, like, you might pass, like, some square-ass dude, some nerd-ass dude, some dude talking about fucking uh, Nine Inch Nails in the parking lot of Stella Sandtrap or whatever, right? Yeah. But then you see, like, a dude that talks like you, that walks like you, does everything just like you, and that's the 
that you got to shoot. That's the motherfucker that you got to kill or whatever, right? And it kind of clicked in his head, and it's just like, here's all these other people, right, that aren't doing anything for me or whatever, right? And I got to kill this dude that's just like me, but the only difference is is he lays his head in a different neighborhood than me. And that kind of like got the like the gears rolling in his head like, hmm, maybe this gang shit, but maybe there's something wrong with this like gang shit, right? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I don't know. You said he was like 14 during that time period? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you realize like how absolute death is until <laughs> until like you see people die, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 done. It's like when you're younger, you you kind of have like this like cartoon y- notion. Yeah, like you're gonna live forever, and you're gonna always have good health, and like you know, like and when you die, you're gonna die a fucking hero. And it's like rarely does anyone really die a hero. You're kind of forgotten after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Somebody puts like a decal on your on their <laughs> car with like your name and like a halo over your head, kind of shit. Yeah. But for the most part, you're pretty forgotten. Like. <laughs> You know, like it's sad but true. Like you, you see so many of that, sh- so much of that shit, and like gang members that have died and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's it's all for nothing. For like, what? For a piece of property that you don't own? Yeah, it's like, dude, like it, it's it's totally sad. Like it's a it's a it's a sad thing. But but at the same time, like you can't really blame people. Like this is what you know. Like you you covet what you see, and what you see is like who are your role models? Most of them are like gangsters. Most of them are like are who has the money and who has the power and it's like these people it's a short-sighted view but that's all you can see and so like i you know i i get why they're why they why they you know want to be this and why they why they think that's cool when when i was little i dude i thought like like even just kids that were older than me that were like all like fucking gangster i was like dude those kids are like fucking dope shit. because they had all the girls they had the money you know, yeah. and they had all the confidence too, which is all three things I didn't have. Yeah, no, I thought it was like dope as fuck. Like mm-hmm. I was like, dude, these kids are like fucking dope. They're like, some of them are like smoking cigarettes, smoking weed. Like this is like the dopest shit. Like this is what it's supposed to be. Like this is how you're supposed to be. And then like you know, I was like, yeah, I got older and changed, and I was like, well, I ain't getting any cooler. I guess I'm just gonna <laughs> watch like Eraserhead in my bedroom. Yeah, and eat cheese sticks. <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know, like, it was just, like, not getting any better, so, um, but yeah, I, I, t- I totally get it, but, I mean, this is what he grew up with, this is, this is how he basically got into rapping, mm-hmm. it was, like, the people around him were rappers, and, like, good rappers, like, oh, people, yeah. people that were, like, practicing bars, and, like, battle, battle rapping each other, and that sort of thing, and, like, you know, he just got good at it, like, you know, it was a natural thing for him to, like, have... We talked about Snoop Dogg in the Patreon. This dude, this this dude's voice just sounds different. Like he sticks out in a crowd. He, you know, I keep talking not to not to shit on Exhibit. I feel like I shit on Exhibit a lot, but like he his voice like nobody sounds like Nipsey Hussle. Like no. there's no other Nipsey Hussle dude that you can't confuse him for. Like who is this? Like who, who this, this who is part this? of the Migos? Yeah, I was like, no, like the Migo dudes, I was like, I don't even know. Like they all sound like whatever, like synthesized, like whatever bland rap, whatever. This is just like raw and you hear it in his voice and he has like a grit to his voice, but not mm. like in that, like DMX, like, or like, you know, like who's the other dude that every thug needs a lady. Oh, Ja Rule. Like Ja Rule, like Ja Rule and like DMX has like that similar, like rasp, annoying thing going on with him i like dmx but like he had too much of that shit 
this guy had some of that, but for the most part, it was kind of in like, what if Snoop Dogg had a raspy voice? Yeah, and it kind of reminds me too, kind of like a Billy Holiday or whatever. Like uh-huh. where, like there was some soul behind like everything that he would say. Like it wasn't. It's not like Snoop Dogg, like where he's like you know, you know, putting you, you know, putting you at ease with like a silky smooth voice or whatever, right? It's kind of like like Billy Holiday, where it's like kind of. It's like, oh wow, like this is this is this is rigid, but it's just like, oh wow, like like I have to hear everything because there's so much emotion behind every word that he's spitting out or whatever, which is sad, but like with rap is kind of a lost art, you mm-hmm. know, nowadays. And he had that. And whether he was fucking rock him is up to up for debate as far as lyricists go. But as far as and it doesn't to me, like that's where I think rap derails when it's just like, Oh no, I make the most complex rhyme of all time, but you're not saying shit. Nipsey hustle would actually say shit in his rhymes. And it wasn't just him either. Just regurgitating from generations before him, you know, like regurgitating the gangster rap that, you know, was made popular by ice cube or corrupt or, you know, Dr. Dre and all them or whatever. Right. No, like he's actually saying shit that he saw and then adding his flair to it, adding his, okay, here's the problem, and here's how we're going to address it. And a lot of that comes from when his father actually takes him, you know, from, you know, Slauson, and him and his brother for three months actually go to their homeland of, <laughs> I'm going to butcher it again, Eritrea. And, you know, he <laughs> sees, he sees like, uh, it sounds like I'm saying urethra, but I'm sorry, I apologize for anybody's from Eritrea. But um, he sees like, you know, how, all those people out there, they're hustling just to survive that entrepreneurial spirit, that community spirit, how where it's just like, hey, we're all in this together or whatever. I'm if I might I might be doing well or whatever, but I ain't doing shit unless my whole community is doing good as well. And he took that away from his trip to Africa and brought that back to, to Crenshaw. And he makes it happen, man. Like, I mean, once he starts becoming like who he is right um he i don't want to fast forward too much but he drops the uh bullets ain't got no names is that what it's called i always called Mm -hmm. it something else is that what it's called bullets ain't got no names once that drops like he kind of became like i heard about that shit like yeah like i didn't really have my ear to the street or anything like that but i heard about that shit it was so like popping off right and and i almost felt like when that came out like almost every rapper wanted to put out their version of a mixtape. Like it just felt like that. Like those early two thousand tens. I remember two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. Like was it? Uh, it was like around that time period. And I remember like Drake started putting out like his mixtape. Like every every fucking rapper that was like big at, around that time period was like, oh, here's a something something mixtape. Like Eminem put out mixtapes around <laughs> that time period. Like it was just really weird. Like. And I think a lot of, and I know mixtapes, that's not an original concept to no, this, yeah. but like it, it, the, the idea, like the romance of a mixtape was back. It felt like it was back because mm-hmm. of, because of that mixtape, because it was like, oh, this dude put out like this, like fucking fire ass underground mixtape and like hip hop's always had this, but this dude made one that was like up to par with like the top dogs in the game. Yeah. So like putting himself up there, like right away, like instant california celebrity but i don't think he was i mean i don't know how he was viewed worldwide but in california he was starting to like get those things like you know i think it's kind of weird and it's not a really good comparison but like the other dude that i remember coming around around this time was uh was uh 
Chance the Rapper. I know that's completely different. Yeah. But like Chance the Rapper was also kind of coming up around this time period. And I remember thinking like, dude, Chance the Rapper's putting all these like mixtapes too. I was like, who are all these guys? Like Chance the <laughs> Rapper and Nipsey Hussle. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Like, um, but like it was an exciting time, at least at least for me. Maybe because we were in California, it just felt a little bit more exciting. Like things were kind of popping off. I was like, this is kind of like West Coast revival a little bit. For yeah. some reason I kept putting like uh, I know that um, that uh, Chance the Rapper is a Chicago guy, but for some reason I was like, he's kind of a West Coast guy. He's like using all these like West Coast producers and like all this <laughs> shit, like just hanging out. He was like in LA for the most part, making his first album. So like, I was like, this guy's kind of kind of West. Did Coast. you you see him at Amoeba Records too? Right. I saw him. He was at a No Such Thing concert, uh-huh. and which I didn't know this, but then No Such Thing would help him like make like beats on his like first album, and I was like, dang, that's fucking. And he was just there as, like, a dude, like, watching, like, not even, like, a celebrity, not, like, thousands of people around him, like, no hot chicks or anything like that. You're just, like, another nerdy dude watching No Such Thing, like, yeah. watching his performance. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, I, you know, when you're too shy, you don't want to take a picture with somebody. Yeah. Like, don't ever be that guy. I always think about that shit, and I'm like. I wish I had. There's so many times I've I've wished I had those pictures, but I was too shy to ask for the picture. That's one of them where I was like, "Damn, I wish I would ask for a picture." <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so uh, to go back to Quentin Tarantino, this or whatever. So at 17, he actually gets signed to Butter Vision, uh, and which I believe is like a subsidiary of Epic Records, that, the fucking record company that signed Michael Jackson or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, so then he actually gets the Nipsey Hustle name or whatever, right? And the way he gets that Nipsey Hustle name is just because of his hustle. Like he, we mentioned, he went to Africa and you know he got this entrepreneurial spirit. And um, there was a story that was told that like in school, uh, he would make it a goal to shine a hundred shoes and get two dollars and fifty cents, so that way he would have you know, $250 for a new pair of Jordans or whatever, right? Like, just, like, that just hustle, hustle spirit. Kind of reminds me of the movie Baby Boy, like, where he's talking about, man, like, everybody's moving. Everybody's, you know, hustling, you know, to survive out here. But anything, like, he wanted, like, he would hustle for. Like, he would, like, outwork anybody. Kind of like a precursor to that whole mama mentality or kind of like a concurrent version, street version of the mama mentality, if you Mm -hmm. will, kind of thing. But he actually, in 2005, very young age or whatever, right, uh, puts out his first mixtape, which is Slauson Boy. And he starts to gain, this is when he, like the train starts to move where it's just like, oh, people start to take notice. You get people like Jay-Z starting to take notice. Uh, I believe XL <clears throat> even like, you know, writes an article about him. And later on- What like, year was this, 2005? Uh, 2005. Damn, that was early, dude. Yeah, that's like literally two years removed from fucking high school yeah. or whatever. And um, or probably one year for himself or whatever, right? Uh, and then, you know, later on, 2008, you mentioned he puts out Bullets Ain't Got No Name. Uh, which blows him up on the internet, right? So we're talking about 2008. I think MySpace is still popping at this time or whatever. You got to put yourself back in that time frame or whatever, right? And radio is starting to be less of a big deal. Fucking, um, you know, record companies start to be less of a big deal. And the whole move is to go digital. And that's exactly what Nipsey Hussle does. Yeah, he's selling CDs out of the trunk of his car and making a pretty good living of it too. But um, all of his friends and his brother was talking about, like, he was one of the first dudes to be thinking, like, nah, that shit, that old way of life of fucking tri- relying on a record company to fucking make you famous is dead. We have more heart and ambition than any of these fucking record execs. We can do all this on our own DIY status on the internet. Like, stream this shit mm-hmm. and fucking they will come. Kind of like Field of Dreams and shit. 
Yeah, I mean, different different times. It's good. He's evolving. Yeah. So, and in 2009, like you mentioned, right, uh, you know, Bullets ain't got no names. Just fucking blows him up on the internet. Uh, and he starts doing collabs with really big artists, such as Drake on the song Killer. Snoop Dogg actually gets him on his album Mouse in Wonderland, and they do a song called Upside Down. And I didn't know this either, but from that point forward, Snoop would use Nipsey kind of as a ghostwriter, kind of as somebody like, kind of like how comedians, like after a while and they make it big and they have to put like big like HBO like comedy specials, they'll rely like on younger comedians to kind of inject like freshness into, you know, their their comedy. Like Snoop, like he would do that too as well with like Nipsey and, you know, younger uh, rappers like Kendrick or whatever use them as ghost writers so he's not sounding like an old 50 year old dude from long beach or whatever like he sounds like somebody that's currently on the street he would use nipsey as a ghost writer for most of his albums from that time period moving forward damn that's okay <laughs> that's a thing I, I don't know i mean that's i wish i wouldn't have known that but kind of takes a little bit more of that magic out yeah but anyways, uh, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that's what King Kuta, King Kuta, that's that Kendrick Lamar song where he basically talks about like ghost writers, mm-hmm. like hip hop ghost writers and things like that. And I don't. I mean, I don't know who he's talking about, but it, you know, he has that line is like most of y'all share bars like you're the second man in a two man cell, mm-hmm. and it's like, damn, it's crazy. Oh yeah, you'd be surprised. Like that's a whole other episode that we can go over yeah. songs that weren't written by your actual favorite rapper or whatnot, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the magic too much for you there, Art. But no, um, I just I, I hate the idea of like ghostwriters. Like it's just like uh-huh. damn. I know it's a thing, but like damn. Like, I mean, if you're like a like a producer like Dr. Dre, who's not really a rapper but does it because people enjoy your voice, like I can see that. But like, yeah, I mean, it does suck to know that like, okay, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> Snoop Dogg didn't write everything that he put out. Uh, but 2010. Uh, he opts not to renew his contract with Epic Records, right? So Epic Records, like I said, it's a fucking that's the fucking record company that has Michael Jackson, and he chooses not to re-sign them just because he's getting the vibe that like he's getting the third degree, uh, mm-hmm. he's being put on the shelf. They're not giving the proper light to him, and he's like, you know what? We can hustle ourselves. We can put we can bank on ourselves and make more money. The, all the record company is going to do is they're going to put out our records. And they're going to take from us. It's kind of like TLC story, how they sold 10 million albums. And because of that whole point system or whatever, they had to file for bankruptcy after they made it big or whatever. Nipsey took note of that. He's like, this whole industry is based around fucking us in the ass or whatever, right? This is how we're going to come up on it. We're going to bank on ourselves, release everything on our own. And, you know, we're going to go completely independent, which he does. And from that point forward, he releases 14 mixtapes. Yeah. That puts him over huge. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I lost uh, I lost track at this point. Yeah. It's just, you know, I was just, like, it, it was too many mixtapes. I'm sure I'll look back to them, and now I have, like, plenty of music to go back and, like, check out. But I didn't keep up with all these mixtapes. Uh, how could you? Uh, <laughs> like, he was doing all these collabs with, uh, was, like, Smokey, Monta- Smokey Montana at this time. Mm-hmm. And, like... It was just like so much music was just coming out around this time period. Like it was just, it was it was musical overload basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if so. You didn't check out any of this time, any of the music until like recently. Uh, it was around 2019ish or whatever. Like I oh, said, okay. it was more like after he died. Or whatever. I knew of some stuff because you can't help but 
being from California, about an hour away from where all this is coming out of and not hearing it, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But it didn't grab me till after the fact or whatever, right? Uh, but he actually gets on the We Are The World, uh, the 25th anniversary song and whatnot. He was like one of the only rappers, him and Snoop or whatever. He gets on the Double XL um, album or uh, magazine cover for a freshman class for top 10 uh, of 2010. Uh, he creates his own record label called All Money In. Uh, and this is where he puts out like the seminal mixtape or whatever. And it sucks to call it a mixtape because it feels like I'm downgrading or whatever, but it's yeah. basically an album. And this is like kind of like his chronic or his doggy style or his thriller or whatever, but it's the marathon, which is kind of going to be like his motto for the rest of his life called the marathon mixtape. Yeah. I mean the marathon, um, it clearly is like the staple of what he does and it, it you know, his follow up albums, mm -hmm. um, all kind of have the marathon vibe to them. Um, in fact, he names his store, the marathon yeah. down the line, but yeah, the marathon comes out and I think, this is the one that most people like really like got into like the marathon kind of put him on the map. Not that he wasn't already on the map. I thought the bullets ain't got no names put him on the map, but like this really put it's him on the, the map. next step. Yeah. yeah like California was, famous, but this is like fucking nationwide, if not worldwide famous. Yeah. I mean the marathon puts him on the map. Um, and then what is it? The marathon continues. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the marathon continues. I actually didn't even put two and two together. Um, I didn't realize that victory lap was like tying into all these things. <laughs> For some reason, it didn't even hit me until I was doing research on this that I was like, oh, victory lap is like a continuation of, of that whole thing. Yeah, the motif and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's funny because like, yeah, like uh, at the on the surface level, a lot of these songs, like it just sounds like, you know, your regular everyday fucking gangster rap with just like a better artist behind it or whatever right but like when you really get into the lyrics like he's shouting out stuff like about books he's read fucking new age ways of life and whatnot like we'll get into it like the whole dr cb thing and whatnot um but he was like on the breakfast club and uh, i believe like charlamagne was talking to him about it and he goes a lot of that stuff is probably going over cat's heads but since it's catchy they're just wrapping along with it but he goes your music in the, is going to age so well because there's so many hidden gems that you're talking about yeah, earlier in his career, like, he's talking about, you know, rolling hard, or like, with the rolling 60s and shit or whatever, right? But, you know, as he grows as a man, he starts reading more books, becoming more knowledgeable or whatever. Uh, he's inserting, like, these, like, fucking knowledge gems into people's brains. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's definitely one of those guys, like I mentioned with Snoop Dogg. Like, Snoop Dogg knew how to give you something fun and, like, but this guy also added the element of, like, something smart. Yeah, kind of hitting in the background where it's like you don't feel like a total dummy. Like there's party songs, there's plenty of of Nipsey Hustle party songs, and then there's like relatively smart things in these party mm -hmm. songs too. It was kind of cool, and he had a lot of those like you know like the whole thing. If there's one thing about Nipsey Hustle, like he always had this like like I'm super motivated to like yeah be better. Like I'm gonna out grind everybody. Like. That seems to be his whole gist. Like a lot of his songs had that <laughs> vibe to them. Yeah. Like, which is kind of cool. Like it's it's uh, I could see why like basketball players and stuff like that would relate to that. And they talk about that in that Thirty for Thirty podcast, where it's mm -hmm. like, of course, like basketball players are gonna connect to this. Like they came from like similar backgrounds where they have to like work out and be better than everyone else because, you know, like they're they'll sink like a rock if they don't. Correct. So yeah. 
and then him too like he's fighting basically fighting for his life still like mm-hmm. he has to bank on himself he has to be better than everybody else because he doesn't have a big record label to carry him around and whatnot right so he has to do all this stuff and um not only that but going back to what i was talking about about like him like inserting like those nuggets of knowledge uh you mentioned like the whole thing like that whole like motivational aspect to him as well that's infectious you know that you know people are drawn to people that can add value to their life or whatever right so that's all fun and fine and dandy that you know there's rappers that can just make you shake your ass or whatever but when you can fucking sit in your car and you're getting financial advice from your favorite rapper like that's fucking great as well too so this is like also to where people like you he just gets like this rabid fan base around him as well and that hustle mentality he is reading this book and i forgot what the book's name is but he cites like a specific book where you know, he goes to Philly and somebody is selling like these hundred dollar Philly cheese takes Philly cheesesteak sandwiches and they're flying off the shelves. People can't get enough of them. And he was like, I ate the hundred dollar Philly cheesesteak sandwich. It was all right, but I still pay the dude a hundred dollars. And next time I go to Philly, I'm probably going to pay the hundred dollars again just because it's just like, oh man, like you're that confident in your product that you'll charge a hundred dollars. I'm willing to give you that a hundred dollars because of your confidence or whatever. So he took that away from it. Um, that actually comes from like something that we, you learn in business school. Uh, it's a whole fucking thing from like the fifties or whatever I won't get into, but, uh, he actually, the reason why I bring it up though, is he actually puts out another mixtape slash album called Crenshaw where, I mean, you can go online and listen to it for free all live long day or whatever. Right. However, Nipsey said, I'm going to release a thousand physical copies of this album for a hundred dollars each. And that motherfucker sold out in 24 hours. Yeah, Jay-Z bought 100 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jay-Z bought, bought 100 of them himself. It was pretty cool. I mean, shout out to Jay-Z, good businessman. I'm sure like this, the value of those have skyrocketed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's cool. That's smart business mentality. And, you know, Wu-Tang did something similar where they made one of one. Oh, yeah. Like one copy, and they sold it. And so, yeah. Um, I don't know. Super interesting stuff. I always like it when people do stuff like that. Like I like it and I don't like it because I don't know. It's kind of kind of weird. I yeah. I I like collecting things, so like I don't know how much I'd be willing to pay for something. But um, but you know, smart business mentality. At this point, he is starting to connect roots to to back to his hometown area, and he is helping a lot of people in his area and like mm-hmm. trying to you know get them jobs. In, in like the music industry as well, whether it just be like doing sound for him, whether it be like just hanging out with him, being part of his crew, like all of a sudden, like, oh, you do hair? You're going to do my hair from now on kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like that sort of thing. Like, you know, he wanted to get back to his crew. I think this is around the same time period that he opens up Marathon. Or yeah. What? So like he opens up Marathon. It's a clothing store in, in on, Cren- it, on the corner of Crenshaw like, and yeah, Slauson. Like, yeah. literally, like, yeah, I think there's, like, the Slauson donut thing. That's, like, right there. Um, it's, like, you know, it's a very visible area of yeah. of this intersection. So he opens it up. It's pretty much known as, like, Nipsey hangs out there sometimes. Mm. Uh, a lot of times he's just giving clothes out, which surprisingly, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but the day that he passes, 
He was there, like, giving away clothes to an inmate that had just gone out, and he was just going to hook him up with some free clothes. And that was this whole thing, too, where, like, I mean, to kind of Quentin Tarantino this stuff, like, even while he was, you know, starting out rapping, he was also, you know, trying to, you know, create a clothing line or whatever, and he would try to sell those clothes on the corner of Crenshaw. So anybody that's been, like, in L.A. knows that you'll always see some dude on the corner, you're, like, trying to hawk T-shirts, like, bootleg Laker shirts or, you know, bootleg, you know, you know whatever, whatever's going on at that time. I remember, like, when Michael Jackson died. I remember we went to uh, the Staples Center to, you know, go check that out. And, like, literally, like, within hours of him passing, like, there was dudes lined up around the freeway with, like, fucking rest in peace Michael Jackson shirts like that just ready to go. That's, like, how the L.A. hustle just is or whatever, right? Well, Nipsey was probably one of those dudes because he talks about it in that 30 for 30, like, how, you know, they would they were trying to get their clothing line, you know, started and whatnot. And, like, the cops would come and confiscate all their clothes. So, like, the next move was, like, shit, well, I guess we just got to make this more legit and, like, open up the store. And that's how he got the fucking uh, marathon store. It was like, by chance, it was on the corner of Crenshaw's Lawson. And that exact spot had a now leasing sign, right? Mm-hmm. And to f- fast forward through this a little bit even more, you know, he starts the store. It's pretty successful because people are willing to come in, you know, just to, you know, buy whatever fucking hat Crenshaw had or whatever that he had for sale or whatever. Uh, but then he eventually buys the whole fucking strip mall. Because he's like, you know what, it's not enough that, you know, I have, you know, something to call my own a store, but I'm paying space rent to somebody that's living in Beverly Hills. Why don't I fucking just buy the whole fucking thing and give opportunity, you know, in these other, you know, business spaces for people who want to do taxes for, you know, our people, uh, people that, you know, want to give financial advice to our people, open up uh, after school programs, um, have people who are just, you know, been recently incarcerated for long periods of time. I'm going to give them care packages where they can get, you know, food until they get up, um, get on their feet. You know, they're going to have clothes to wear, not not just like regular ass fucking Goodwill clothes or whatever, not to shit on a manual or whatever. Right. But like uh, like actually like nice, you know, presentable clothes that, you know, you can go get a job in and whatnot. Uh, if you're an up and coming artist, I want you working in my store and I want you selling your product in my store and we're going to have the latest technology where it's going to be a smart store where people can bring their phones in and download, you know, for on our free Wi-Fi, download our albums for free or whatnot. And it's just like, it's just like this avalanche of just like giving back to the neighborhood that made him. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's who he was. That's, that's, that's the kind of guy that he was, um, you know, leading up to to the day, I don't know if you're ready to talk about that, but leading up to the the point where, you know, on the day that he passed away, he was there basically hanging out, people running into him, people mm-hmm. taking pictures with him. There, I guess there's like the a famous picture of like a girl, you know, hours before he passed away, like just took a picture with with him and like made the caption like hanging out with Nipsey, like look who I'm hanging out with. Took a picture with like a little girl that day, like all you know, it was just a regular day for him. He giving even away gave, stuff away. He even, um, there was somebody that brought their baby. I guess they came from like out of state somewhere or whatever just to meet him, just on the chance that he would be there or whatever. And they brought their newborn baby or whatever just so he can bless him, I guess, or whatever. And he went to, uh, I think it was his car or somebody else's car, and he gave them a pair of fucking Jordans. He gave like a baby a fucking fresh <laughs> pair of Jordans and shit. Like just gave it to him or whatever, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's just the, that's just the kind of guy that he was, man. Like, um, but on this very same day, um, 
a uh, what, what's the guy's name? Mr. Holder's guy, Eric uh, Ronald Holder Jr. Eric Holder. We'll just call him Eric Holder. So, anyways, Eric Holder shows up and he basically gets into a discussion with Nipsey Hussle. Um, Nipsey's basically calling him a snitch, basically saying like, "Yo, man, like I heard you've been snitching. You know, I don't really want you hanging around here because if if people are saying that you're snitching, I don't want you hanging around my store, man. Like you you can't come around here." And like it ain't cool. Like you, you gotta go, man. Like you're done. You're and the story gets a little convoluted because <laughs> we'll talk about snitch culture probably here in a second. But uh, nobody is willing to really say exactly what went down, which leads for conspiracy, or whatever. Just because of snitch culture, or whatever. But the narrative is similar to that. Either Nipsey called him a snitch or said like, "Hey, man, I hear you've been talking to the police or whatever, right? And I can't have you around me, man. Like I like there's heat on you on the streets." And I'm trying to do good by the streets. I'm not trying to get up in some gang shit right now when I'm trying to fucking improve my neighborhood or whatever, basically. Yeah, so basically, that seems to be the gist of what people agree on did happen. Mm -hmm. He takes off. I think it's like 45 minutes later, he comes back. And he's like the passenger in a car. He basically gets out, kind of singles Nipsey out, and, and like just basically singles him out and I believe he shoots him 11 times. Mm-hmm. Somebody else, I think a few other people have like some like innocent bystander bullets like go Two their people, way. yeah. Um, but nobody, I mean, clearly it's meant for Nipsey Hussle. I mean, he shot 11 times. Then mm-hmm. he gets back in the car, is driven away and this is the point where like, the, the, the crazy thing about it is like there's footage of this. Yeah, there's sur- multiple surveillance Th- This footage. is not like the Princess Diana one where it's like we're speculating like <laughs> was there this, was there that? Like there's literally footage of what happened. And some of the most, fuck- and it's all on YouTube too. Some of it too is like them like stretching him into the ambulance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you can visibly see him like shot and whatnot, right? And it's, it's not a fun watch, right? Like no matter where you stand on, you know, <laughs> Fucking your your sensory uh, <laughs> of like yeah. this how desensitized you may or may not be or whatever right it's pretty fucking disturbing but the most the fucked up thing about it is like he doesn't just go up to him and shoot him ten times once he does like I've heard accounts it was two to three times like he came back several times to shoot at Nipsey and then the final time when he shot him like literally like that saying like don't kick a man when he's down literally like kicks Nick's Nipsey Hustle in the yeah. head after he shoots him. Shoots him through the chest. Yeah, he shoots s- him in the heart. Yeah, s- severs his spinal cord. Sh- spinal cord. Uh, shoots him in the back, which goes into his te- chest and strikes his lungs. Uh, shoots him where it like like grazes like the top of his scalp, and then he cut. Like I said, comes back, kicks him, and shoots him again. So it's like obviously there's some fucking malice there yeah. in what he was doing. So okay, so obviously we're not. I mean, a court case is literally just starting this upcoming week. I think it's uh, June 3rd, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, like next Wednesday or something like that. This it's, episode will still be in the promotional process. Like, it, while it's that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally about to start. So shout out to anyone that can, anyone that knows, like, court procedures. I know everyone's all about the Johnny Depp trial right now, <laughs> which, like, I'm... I, I haven't been following it. I've just been following the memes. I don't know anything. I, I honestly didn't even know who Amber Heard was until, like, this thing yeah. happened. I didn't even know she was in Aquaman. But anyways, <laughs> um, I haven't seen Aquaman. But anyways. Um, don't. Yeah, no, I'm not planning to. Um, but I am pretty, like, 
I won't say excited for this trial, but I'm kind of like anxious to see what's going to happen because to me it felt pretty cut and dry. And a lot of times the police on this one are like, we had one suspect and one suspect alone. One of the things, and maybe I'm a, too much of a dummy, but like I haven't really heard much about the driver, the one that like drove him away. Cause oh, it the seems, girl? Yeah, it seems to be like there was a female driver that drives him away, like pulls up, lets him out. Gets back in. She's like the getaway driver. I haven't really heard much. Like they would still think that's like accomplice to murder. Um, I think she's one of the people that helped the police locate who it was, whatever. Right? Because I guess the story goes. Now I'm I'm using my source on this is Vlad TV, who sat down with multiple rappers and people within the neighborhood that said that like yeah, that's how the police identified um, Eric Holder. Uh, because of his girlfriend or whatever. I guess Eric wanted her to drive through the the parking lot. Uh-huh. And if you look at like the Google map of it, she literally would have to like jump a curve in her Toyota Tercel or whatever. <laughs> totally not like an off-road vehicle to be able to do this. Jump a curve, go across the parking lot, do a drive-by on, you know, him on the outside of, uh, you know, the marathon store or whatever, and then go into a busy fucking intersection by, uh, I believe it's uh, Slauson or whatever, right? And, like, it just is not happening. So she refuses to do that. So he jump- that's why he jumps out of the car the first time, shoots him, and then she panics and is attempting to drive off. He gets mad, jumps back out of the car, and shoots him again. So that's how you get that information is from her. Mm, okay, yeah. I hadn't really heard anything about, about the driver, but... Um, she's probably in witness protection. Probably, yeah. We don't hear anything about her court case or anything like that, but um, but that seems to be. I hate to say it, but it seems pretty cut and dry. the The first big conspiracy theory that pops up is um, that the LAPD have something to do with it, with his murder. Mm-hmm. And I will say, of all the conspiracy theories you're gonna hear today, this is probably the only one that has like. I, I think like a kernel of potential truth. Mm. And that's because a lot of people were saying that, that Holder, Eric Holder was, was a police informant, was a police informant and was like, you know, involved with, with the uh, LAPD giving information. And that's why the whole snitch thing started. Like people were saying like, well, he's a snitch. That's why Nipsey was calling him out and all this stuff. And to me, okay. So even if that's true, I don't think that that was the police telling him, like, all right, now you got to go kill Nipsey. <laughs> like, <laughs> they do a good job of doing that by themselves. Yeah, it's like, why? Why would the police? First yeah. of all, like, I get it. Nipsey's a Nipsey's a famous dude at this point. Like, you know, victory laps already out, and like, yeah. Grammy shit, nominated. Shit's popping off. You know, he just did that Nike commercial with Kawhi, that Nike Gatorade commercial, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, that's cool and all, but he's not fucking mlk dude like mm. he's not you know uh fred hampton or some shit we're like like we gotta do a fred hampton episode we do yeah but um but he's not that kind of guy like so for people to be like yeah dude the lapd got him like nah, i really doubt that I, and I, trust me i i sympathize with people in the neighborhood that say that stuff because like whenever it's a instagram uh account called this day in hip-hop where they um, posted when eric holder's uh uh, trial is about to begin. You have all these comments talking about, you know, the real ones in L.A. know that the LAPD killed him or whatever, right? So you go in a super deep dive on it. And like Art said, there is kernels of truth to it. Yes, Eric Holder was more than likely a police informant. What was he informing him of? Well, there's a thing called Operation Laser where the LAPD, like they were targeting, like explicitly targeting certain areas uh, in, you know, the South Central L.A. area. And 
the marathon store was actually one of the anchor anchor target areas just because yes you did you would have a lot of felons that would come through there you would have a lot of quote unquote gang activity in that area but that's because they would come to that strip mall Nipsey would hook him up with clothes, hook him up with books. One of the guys um, who was out, outside of Staples Center during uh, Nipsey's memorial was talking about how, like, he would just come by just to talk to Nipsey, and Nipsey would just give him a new book to read. He was like, I always need a motherfucker that would read a book, but this motherfucker would always throw a book in my hand, and, like, <laughs> I would, you know, I would learn something new from him, and then he would give me, like, a pair of Jordans or whatever, and then, yeah. or he would hook me up with somebody who was going to do my hair. I didn't even know I need a haircut, and this motherfucker would pay <laughs> to have my haircut or whatever, right? But that's why, like, because he was taking care of his people. That's why he had so much activity. But on the flip side of it, you know, being, you know, a, a you know a police officer, officer that probably lives in Valencia or something, whatever, like, you don't know about that, right? You're too busy listening to Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani's collab or whatever, right? Yeah. To give a fuck about what's happening on a mixtape or whatever, right? So all they're seeing is, like, in their racist mind is, like, these black men are all gang members or whatever, right? They don't know what the positivity is going on down there. So you're, you're, you are targeting that area because there legitimately is gang quote unquote activity. But like you said, I doubt the police said, all right, Eric, now you're going to go over there and you're going to shoot him twice. And then if you can, you're going to kick him in the head. And it is also important to note too, that him and Nipsey were a part of the same role in sixties Crip game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like that, 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 I saw. I think I sent you that YouTube where the dudes like I've uncovered that they were part of the Rolling Sixty, and it's like I don't think that was like a big secret, dude. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> they kind of said it like in every song. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't think this was a big secret, but whatever. Anyways, um, so yeah, I, I mean, maybe I'm missing something, and maybe we, like some dude that's like really embedded with like like what's going on and like has his ear to the street. Maybe he knows something more than what we know. And, like, you know, we're over here in Big Show, California, like, fucking, like, and we don't know that much. But at the same time, like, dude, I just find it super hard to believe, like, the fucking LAPD would care enough to, like, kill him. Like, also, too, the LAPD does a, a, and I say this as a joke, but there's a big kernel of truth to this. They do a better job of killing than Eric would have probably done. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Not 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 a conspiracy theory I put any stock into, but it's the only one I'll say like yeah, there's a little bit of kernel of truth there. Like he might have been working for the LAPD. You know, it's kind of one of those things where he's like, "You're not a government, you're a government contractor, <laughs> 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 not a government employee." I don't know that sort of thing. Um, but uh, uh, you know, the other big conspiracy, right? Okay. Is um, I'm sorry, I was gonna do that stupid Doctor Sanjay Gupta joke again, but. <laughs> what is that doctor's name? Dr. Um, CB. Dr. CB. So if you don't know about Dr. CB, which a lot of people, I hope you don't, because a lot of people, I, I was doing some Googling into Dr. CB, right? And, yeah. And one of the things that I, I, as I learned more about him, I actually thought Dr. CB seems like a genuinely nice man who wants to help people. Um, and I think that that's basically like the gist of, of what he's doing. I, I think it's like, 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 I'll say this. It, we all have, like, that friend that got, like, really into, like, fitness, right? And it's just like, man, this dude's, like, drinking a lot of two milkshakes a day. And he's like, and ever since I do these milkshakes, my fucking diarrhea stopped. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I no longer diarrhea. Like, whatever. Yeah. And, like, now he swears by it. Like, 
you know, mm-hmm. like all those like weird things like herbal life nutrition, <laughs> <laughs> like or whatever, like all these like weird things that like people sell. Like he was basically just into that kind of shit. No harm, no foul. The problem with it is that he did start saying shit like, if you have X, Y, and Z, this might take care of it. Or this will cure it. Yeah. And, and, and like, it was walking on this very, like, thin line of, uh-huh. I was going to send you this YouTube clip, and actually, I don't know if I sent it to you, but it's Nick Cannon talking about him. I found it on my own. And uh, <laughs> where, where they ask him, like, but he never really, he never really cured any of these things. And he's like, define cure. <laughs> and it's like, uh, oh, you know, like yeah. curing it. And he's like, well, they never cured measles. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like they never cured fucking, like he starts naming off all these things. They also haven't cured headaches either. But, yeah. And yeah. it's <laughs> like, he, he cured like, and it's like, all right, I get it. Like it, it's just like, and, and a part of me is like, a part of me thinks like, you know, it's not the worst thing. Like I do think that for the most part, like we eat a lot of processed food. We eat a lot of garbage. I think it makes, you know, like cancer has, has gone up since like, you know, the correlation between fast food and cancer, like it's, it's there smoking cigarettes and cancer is there. Like, you know, like we talked about like energy drinks and kidney failure. Like it's there. Like yeah. there are things that like in our diet, I do believe that a healthier diet gives us like a healthier lifestyle it helps us prevent diseases it's it's a it's even doctors will say like sh- high sugar diets you know like diets that have even like like, like just the carb sugars like bread and things like that correct will like increase the likelihood of a cancer to grow mm-hmm. and so like to be like you know what why don't you cut that shit out and like the chances go down i mean you could, if you said it that way i'd be like yeah that makes sense like yeah. i agree with you but if you're saying like this is the cure like fuck all that other shit this is what we need to be doing. And that's literally how and, Bob Barley died. Yeah, and like a lot of these people like buy into it. Buy into this shit. Like a lot of these celebrities, I think they had like Eddie Murphy. Eddie Mur- that was the first one that came to mind was Eddie Murphy because like that dude's like fringy as fuck, dude. Michael Jackson, uh, John Travolta, John Travolta, um, all these fucking Scientologists that are like <laughs> yeah. all about that shit. And he did to go back on Michael Jackson. Doctor CB at one point was saying that he cured. Michael Jackson's addiction to painkillers. Fast forward to 2009 when Michael Jackson dies. Obviously, he didn't cure him or whatever, right? But the the controversy around Dr. C being the reason why this is important to Nipsey Hussle is is because in the late 80s, uh, Dr. CB was taking out ads in a New York uh, New York newspapers across the city saying that he has found the cure for AIDS, right? And it was a lot of like just well, just eat these electric strawberries and, you know, drink this alkaline water or whatever, and your AIDS will go away. So he gets sued, and he goes to court or whatever, and the narrative that Nick Cannon will tell you and some of these, like, people, even I think Nipsey even, like, attests to it, too, is that he wins the court case, and this proves that he has the cure for AIDS. He has the cure for cancer. And then fast forward a couple years later, Dr. C.B., uh, gets arrested in Honduras, which where he is where he was from, and somehow magically he dies of pneumonia. This super healthy fucking just Adonis of a man just magically dies of fucking um, pneumonia and police custody and whatnot under suspicious circumstances. And there's the whole conspiracy. The big pharma got him because there's no money to be made in the cure, but to to treat it or whatever. Right. So that that's what. Nipsey was going to quote unquote make a documentary about 
Nick Cannon, after you know Nipsey dies, says that he's going to pick up the mantle. And oh yeah, the the same people that got Doctor Seabee were the same people that shot and killed Nipsey Hussle for trying to make this documentary. I believe it. No, no I'm scared. No, um, <laughs> no. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. People just die. <laughs> yeah. People and also die too. There's the like 17 documentaries on YouTube right now about Doctor CB and all of those content. All those kings of content are alive and kicking right now. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tough one for me to believe in. I think there's like this, like you know, the romance of like, oh man, big pharma. And trust me, I don't like big pharma. I'm not a big pharma guy. I believe in universal health care. I believe in putting out, like, you know, I think that, um, who's that one guy, the, the same guy from the Wu-Tang guy, the guy that bought the Wu-Tang album? Oh, Martin Scarelli. M- Martin Scarelli. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think he's a bad guy, not because I don't think that what he did was bad, but I think, what, like, he's basically, like, playing by the rules he was given. And, like, we live in a system where, like, Capitalism? Big, yeah, capitalism is, like, made for big pharma to succeed and to keep like the poor sick mm-hmm. because a lot of times they can barely afford medicate medication. But anyways, that's a different story. And like, I do agree with people there. Like I'm very anti big pharma, but, um, but I do think that this guy was kind of full of it. I mean, if all you're saying is like, Hey man, just drink, a, drink some milkshake, eat more greens, <laughs> eat some healthy proteins. Like, like here you go, dude, eat some lean fat proteins. <laughs> Eat some turkey and some and some and some broccoli. Like, ain't, yeah. ain't no doctor gonna tell you no to that. <laughs> and drink your water. Yeah, it's like here, here, have a banana for lunch and have some like turkey and, and cauliflower and like <laughs> you're good, dude. Like it's like stuff Leafy like greens. That. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, dude. It's like nobody's gonna say no to that. Mm-hmm. It's like of course your blood pressure is gonna go down if you lose like weight. Like if you all of a sudden start eating like a banana for lunch and turkey and and cauliflower for dinner, like yeah, you're gonna lose weight and your blood pressure is gonna go down. Like that's not. I don't want to say like that's that ain't no cure, but like, like that's that's a big lifestyle. I mean, I mean, and I I, I agree with with him in principle, like where it's like, yeah, those are healthy choices. The likelihood of you having a heart attack or like curing heart disease, like the cure for heart disease is like a healthy diet and exercise. Like, Correct. Like done, and that's the number one killer in America. It's but like, if you're already at the end of your rope, though. All of a sudden, yeah. a banana ain't going to do shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, like, Nick Cannon, he was like, oh, yeah, lupus. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh about lupus. And cut that for the clip. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yo, yo, man, got lupus. Like, he cured my lupus. And it's because I ate, like, a banana and, and like, sweet peas for lunch every day or something like that. It's like some bullshit thing like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he told me, and, like, it's been dormant now. And it's like. Yeah, I mean, lupus is one of those things that's like if your immune system is strong, like, so what are the things that keep your immune system strong? Is like, you know, vitamin C rich diet, probably getting like enough vitamin D, like in sunshine form, but not like aggressive. It's like, dude, I don't want to say like, duh, like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, but then there's also other stuff that you're going to need too to keep you alive because eventually that shit's going to fucking overpower any of that shit. So, not to spend too much time on it. I do think we probably should do a Dr. CB episode just to get yeah. that out there, like Padma McCord. But anyways, um, we talked about you know the whole capitalism or whatever. And what makes Nipsey Hussle special, whatever, is he very much was a capitalist, right? Now, yeah. We talked about that grind or whatever. Like A lot of his lyrics were about grinding or whatever, right? But he was a responsible capitalist. All that went back into his community. All that went back to the programs like a Vector 90, where, you know, he would, you know, 
create jobs for for LA by LA people, whatever people in the neighborhood and whatnot, right? He would do things like make programs called Big Too Big to Fail, where you know I mentioned at the beginning of this episode where people in neighborhoods like South Central and you know Slauson and Crenshaw, or whatever, right? You know their education isn't the best. And the thing that was popping, you know, around the time that he makes this program is the whole explosion of Silicon Valley. Who's getting all those jobs? All those kids who, you know, live, you know, privileged lives up up north or whatever and go to all those good schools and whatnot. So how do we combat that to get our people in there? We're going to give them all the tools and mathematics and sciences and whatnot. And, um, you know, our children, we're going to send them to Silicon Valley. Um, He also, um, there was a project that was going to bring, uh, I don't want to call it the mo- the monorail, like it's the fucking Simpsons, but uh, it's basically LA Metro's version of the monorail. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of... Um, Have you ever um, written the uh, the uh, the Metro in LA? Yeah. I've never written it. It it's, looks kind of ghetto. <laughs> it is. And this is the, the big problem with it, is that they were going to build it right through uh, Crenshaw and Slauson. We were talking about it. It's this, this cultural epicenter, right, that influences not only all of L.A., but all of California and all of the world or whatever, right? They were basically going to bulldoze all through that to create you know, a new line for this train to go through. And it had all of the community upset. And it reminded me about the episode that we did about Black Wall Street, where all those historical buildings and whatnot— uh, were pretty much going to get decimated. All those people's homes were going to, you know, they were eminent domain and whatnot, like kicked out and whatnot, just to build like this, this choo-choo train through there and whatnot. But uh, Nipsey had, you know, he helped, you know, create this thing called Destination Crenshaw, which was just like, okay, you can bring this, this train through this neighborhood, but you're going to keep all these buildings intact. And in fact, all the profits that you guys are going to do, you're going to make with this, you're going to make this a hub for art so all these people that are coming through on the la metro which i gave the guess they estimated to be like ten thousand or so they're going to see all of our art and it's going to be authentic to our neighborhood only artists from our neighborhood are going to be represented and he kind of um likened it to you know koreatown or chinatown or whatever it's going to be authentically crenshaw like all of this art all of everything it, we're, you're going to give those funds all these grants to help these artists show off their work. So whenever, you know, these business folks are coming through, you know, Crenshaw and Slauson or whatever on this this train or whatever, they're yeah. going to be forced to see our artwork. And that's all thanks to Nipsey. That's pretty legit, man. I got to admit, like, Nipsey, Nipsey was, you know, to quote James Harden, Nipsey was one of one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and he really was. It's a damn shame his life was cut short. His career was cut short. Um, just, just a, just a complete shame. And I don't know, uh, you know, rappers die all the time, but this is, I think this is like the first like modern rapper that we've ever covered, uh, just cause he's so interesting, so talented, you know, his, his life and legacy will live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still struggle to think like, you know, I still view him as like one of the young rappers that I'm excited to hear his next album for. Yeah. And it's a damn shame that we're never going to get to hear that follow up. Yeah. And I did, I do think it's a it's sad because you mentioned it. There's rappers that die every single day, or not every single day, but like all the time. You know, you'll hear about so and so passes away due to yeah. you know senseless violence or whatever, and then you take a look at them and you know they're just doing stupid stuff with their life and whatnot. 
But Nipsey was actually trying to make an impact, like not only for like his family, but you know, the people that he grew up with and whatnot. And it sucks that he's not around to continue that legacy, but he has that music and he has his fans that are going to continue that legacy. And I think that's probably more impactful than if he would have lived like a life maybe till like 82 years old or whatever. Right. Because like, he's always going to be seen like as this martyr for his neighborhood. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, all those guys that died young, you know, like the Tupacs and the Biggies and like the Kurt Cobains or whatever, like we got to see them all shine the brightest and overnight we got this, the light turned off. And in a sad, but I guess beautiful and poetic way, we'll never see them get old. They'll always be forever young, be forever like at the brightest, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, he went out on really like high note. I mean, very poetic that that you know the the victory lap was his final album. Mm. Very poetic, um, you know. Not not that this is a knock at all, like the Chester from Lincoln Park guy, right? But you know, Chester from Lincoln Park. You know, Lincoln Park was one of the biggest bands ever, and in a weird way, they went out on like one of their weakest albums, like mm. when he when he committed suicide, and like I think a lot of people were like he was getting fucking the band was getting ripped apart when that, I think it's called like one last sunshine or something like that or one last light or something. Okay. But the band was getting like ripped apart. And then like when he, when he finally commits suicide and passes, like, you know, I think a lot of people that were like all the critics that were just like talking shit, like this is such a shitty album. Like why would Lincoln Park do this? Like, are kind of like, damn, I was pretty mean to that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that band deserves an episode too, but, um, Definitely kind of cool that he went out on, like, such a high note. Not that going on a low note is a good thing, but, like, you know, he was so young. He was so young. He was, you know, what, 32 or something like that when he when he passed away or 33? I think 33, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, damn, man. Like, that's the same age Jesus died at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, it's a crazy crazy like short-lived life but like so much impact in like society culture like the arts like all this you know his city we always talk about like peeling the onion back or whatever right and when we when i started this topic it was like oh yeah i know he's a rapper or whatever right and he has like the store down in la or whatnot but like it was like cool it was so fun to like keep you know peeling the onion layers back and like oh he's got this like not only is he really great rapper but he's also a great artist and not only that but he's also a fucking great humanitarian oh yeah like we didn't even get into like you know the whole political aspect or whatever he was like one of the first rappers to fucking call donald trump out or whatever right with the whole him and that song yyg mm-hmm. called fuck donald trump and um it, it's just like it's it was so fun doing this episode because you i earned so much more respect afterwards like yeah he he passes away or whatever and there's always like that explosion and outpouring of support um during that time and that's again that's when i you know got into him more properly but listening to his music now it adds just a little bit more to it knowing that like man this was a really amazing person right and somebody everyone i think should strive to be you know, that, that marathon of life that he was like a motif 
throughout all of his music or whatever. It's something to keep striving for. So it does, like you said, it does suck that it was such a short-lived life. But at the same time, it's so poetic because he did everything that he was supposed to do. Absolutely. And I mean, more. He lived the life that, you know, at th- in 33 years that most people will, you know, it'll take them 66 years to do. Or even at, uh, if they live to 82 like Dr. Sib. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't even accomplish. Not you even, know? look at Dr. Goop. <laughs> Sanjay, Sanjay Gupta. <laughs> like, that dude's still struggling, dude. Nobody <laughs> respects that guy. Like, just give it up, dude. <laughs> Just you're 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 washed, dude. You know, fucking who clowned that guy recently? Fucking Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan literally pulled his dick out and like jizzed in his mouth and just made him swallow it. And like, I mean, that's 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 the fucking mancha he's gonna have to live with for the rest of his life. Guys, tell your mommy and boo-boo, too. That's the best one in the Oh, God, damn. <laughs> Guys, tell your mommy and boo-boo, too. Shout out to Mr. Jackman. Shout out to Mr. Warren. Shout out to Nipsey Hussle. Shout out everybody in, in L.A., man. Like, um, It's a city that, that I love to hate, love and hate moments. You know, when it's 110 degrees, I love it. When here, you know, when it's 110 degrees here in Bakersfield, yeah, I love it. Um, but you know, it's in it, and, and you get to see the beauty and the ugliness of of LA. If you listen to this episode and, and you get anything out of it, you should see the duality of that lives in that city where it's like there is violence, there is ugliness, there is poverty, there are things that you want to forget. And then there's beauty. There's the you know, the the, the rose that grew from the concrete. That's exactly what and, I was gonna say. Um, and that's exactly what Nipsey Hustle was. And there is some beauty to it. There's you know the artwork that comes with LA that's kinda unique to LA. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about Doctor <laughs> Sanjay <laughs> Gupta's <laughs> matcha. <laughs> but um but yeah I mean that's 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 LA for you, dude. Like, that's yeah. a total duality of a city. Traffic sucks. Uh, I don't like driving there. I wish I, you know, there's cool things to do, but you know, shout out Nissy Hustle, man, forever, man. Yeah, rest in peace. If if anybody is in the Slauson and uh, fucking Crenshaw, uh, fucking by the Marathon store, or whatever, pick yourself up a fucking Crenshaw hat because his brother still owns, I think that that store. And I think that, I mean, he has two children as well. So mm-hmm. uh, support them, you know, because <laughs> obviously Sanjay Gupta is not going to be able to do it. <laughs> God damn it, Art. Anyways, guys, if you want to talk about Sanjay Gupta or fucking if there's anything we missed, which I'm sure we did about Nipsey Hussle, or if you just want to share your stories about getting into his music, hit us up on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, guys, if you want to support this podcast, guys, I highly recommend going on over to patreon.com slash art Jacob do America, where every single week we put together a fire ass episode, uh, for your listening pleasure. So go on over there, donate $1, donate $5. Some people donate $15. God damn, bless your heart. We don't deserve it, but somehow you guys think we do. So go on over there, get your bonus episode. Uh, if you want to support us in any other way, guys, uh, we know we don't have a store on the corner of Crenshaw and Slauson, uh, but we do have a store at artandjacobdoamerica.com. Uh, follow the merch links where Art has set up uh, 
a pathway to our store over at T Public, where we have four designs. Maybe we should. Maybe we should make a new design where it's kind of like the Crenshaw one, but it just says like Bakersfield or whatever, or East Bakersfield oh. or whatever. Something I don't know. We 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 could we could figure it out, you know, as time goes on or whatever, right? But maybe like a little nod to Nip or whatever. I yeah. don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We got. We could do one. It's like you know, the, like the Compton, like Old English, like mm. font or whatever. But it says like Gupta. <laughs> <laughs> There's just like a jizz, just dropping jizz on the back <laughs> with matcha. That's, like, that's your matcha. Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, so head on over there, uh, guys. If you want to hear other great podcasts, uh, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to Podbelly.com. We are official members of the Podbelly Network, so check out the great and powerful sofa king podcast uh check out robots for eyes as well as paranormal punchers and hillbilly horror stories but aside from that art i don't got anything else man it's been a solid episode solid episode man we're in a good role take mommy boo with two shallow is jackman shallow is warren uh we'll be back next week doing an early morning one not that, not that there was lack of energy on this one i like the energy on this one but mm-hmm. like i like early morning ones because it's like you know, bring some of that punch, early morning punch. That's when I'm at my best, I think. Yes, me too. But with that said, everybody, goodbye and good night. Good night. That's why I call my thing the marathon because yeah. I, I'm not going to lie and, and, and portray um, this ultimate poise. Like I've been, had it figured out. No, nah, I just didn't quit. That's the only distinguishing quality from me and probably whoever else going through this or mm-hmm. went through this or is going to go through this is that I ain't quit. I went through every emotion. I went through mm. every emotion with trying to pursue what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that what what going to separate whoever is going to try to go for something is that you ain't going to quit. Part yeah, two. I remember that. So it was a We Are The World Part 2, and they had, like, everybody was in there. All the big-name people was in there. So cool. We in there chilling. I'm in the back row. All of a sudden, Nipsey Hussle walked in. Knowing this nigga ain't supposed to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> you done brought that up to him, but go ahead. Because I ain't supposed to be in it. <laughs> so now, he come and stand next to me. I'm like, nigga, you finna get me caught too. Like, get away from me. You finna get both of us caught. <laughs> we gonna get thrown out of yeah. we all the world. So this nigga standing next to me now. Now we both rocking like we singing a song and shit. And then... Justin Bieber. Yeah, a, oh, man. A, a, a seven-year-old, nine-year-old Justin Bieber. Wow. How old he was. Hey, Uncle Snoop. He, his people snatched him so fast. <laughs> he, get away from that nigga and get over Damn here Prince. by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Some other <laughs> like. And Nipsey yeah. was like, Nipsey was like, uh, I ain't even supposed to be in here. I said, nigga, me neither. It's <laughs> like that, man. It's like this. The new gives a fuck about those. So just chill to the next episode.